Good evening, Patriots. So it is Sunday, and it's July 2nd, and we're into that fourth weekend, and that's pretty cool. But we're going to start real right away just in prayers of thanks, because if you didn't know it, uh, our mod Punky had to be taken to the hospital yesterday, and she's online today, which is amazing, and I really mean this. It is amazing, and so we just want to put some prayers up for her. So, um, Father God, we just want to thank you for just literally miraculous healing for Punky and all that um, she went through, and it's just amazing as we pray into this just, just how great a God you are, and truly want to thank you for the quick recovery and the miracle of even letting, getting her to the hospital in time for what had to happen. And it was great. And she's healthy and strong and we're blessed to have her here tonight. So thank you, Father. And thank you for the, all the um, blessings that continue to pour down on her and her family. Please guide her and protect her. In Jesus' name, amen. So really happy to have you here tonight, Punky. So thanks. Patriots, before we begin, I'm going to just touch on this, one of my great products, and I've been literally running this for weeks now in my studio, and it is the air filter system, which I haven't talked about last week, but it needs to be highlighted. This is truly one of the best products I've had installed in the studio, and it's not like any other air filter. This is the air filter that was decided on by the U.S. Department of Defense to be used and purify air on board Navy ships. It uses a patented earth mineral technology plus hospital-grade HEPA filters. It destroys cold and flu viruses. It, um, it filters out the nonsense of COVID. It reduces the allergy and inflammation toxins that are in the air, reduces mold threat. It's fantastic. It is hospital-grade technology, and it's something you need to have in your home. So... They, they, make a, they make a promise that you'll have far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. I would agree with that. And basically, they, with the air quality monitor they provide, you can literally visually test the difference in your air. 
So if you head over to ekpure.com, there's a link below the podcast, every podcast, and you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to get 10% off. And that with that, it constitutes about $150 savings. So head on over, check it out. It's Enviral Cleanse Home Purifications Units in there. And it's, they come with a free air filter monitor, like I said. It's fast and free shipping. You save about $150 on a unit. They're just fantastic. I, I really do mean this. It, they are a great product, and it makes a difference. The air, literally, when I step down into the studio, the air feels lighter, more refreshing. It's it's quite amazing. I'm, I'm actually really impressed. I've never thought I would be with an air filter like this. I've had air filters, not one like this. So anyway, head again, again head over to EKPure, EK pure p-u-r-e dot com use your promo code bards get 10 percent off and you will be very satisfied that you did so that's good stuff all right sunday nights always the same not same but i mean always a nice discussion i should say kind of a reflection of the week this week's been pretty wild and the weekend um has been equally eye-opening and you know it's like i've talked a lot about last week and there was a it was Thursday when I had this vision about the whole issue of children. And that's just continued to grow. And I told you on Thursday and I and Friday night both. I mean, I was that I was gonna pray on it Thursday night and then prayed on it and I had a couple confirmations from Father. They just continued all weekend by in in fact. <clears throat> just amazing connections and even today I I went to the church where my parents go. And Father's been putting on my heart as part of this to he's been there's been something about a vineyard. And today I <laughs> this is just so much father. I and I'm so I'm like, okay, this is this morning. I'm praying on I'm like, okay, Father, you want me to pray into a vineyard? I don't know how this ties in with everything, but I'll I I'll accept the praying into a vineyard. And I meet the pastor for the first time. He's, we've never met before. And he he has heard about me and I've heard about him. And I just told him very briefly what we were doing. And he says, well, I hear you're, you have some property that you're developing. It's kind of like a training space for, for kids or something. I said, yeah. He goes, I need to introduce you to an owner of a vineyard who's wanting to build a kid's camp and, and retreat center. And I, I literally couldn't believe this. I mean, it was just, I can. I mean, we shouldn't say it that way. But it's just like when you see these things, Father is just working so powerfully. So very powerful. And it's just another great connection in this growing connection of things. I got introduced over the weekend, and if you don't know who this is, Hannah Giles. Hannah Giles is now the new CEO of Project Veritas. Remember, O'Keefe left, and she's now taken over, and Project Veritas is going a different direction than where they have in the past. I'm really excited for them. We made a great connection I'm going to be bringing on some people from Project Veritas coming up very soon, possibly this week, to do some interviews. And it's just, uh, again, it's, and it's all tying in to this bigger picture of the commission of where we're going. So I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because it's been a very intense topic. And obviously, uh, tomorrow I'm going to go see the Jim Caviezel film, and I'm going to see it tomorrow at 2.55. So I'm going to be able to talk about it tomorrow night on the show. It's my intention so my parents and I are going tomorrow to watch it, which ironically that the they did not even have it listed. And the theater that it's going to be playing at is literally less than a quarter of a mile from my house. So it's amazing. So again, I, it, God's kind of working in big ways. Uh, these are small little, I, I call these, for me, these are like benchmarks or road signs is how I look at life is when something like this happens. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I didn't even know that the movie was playing in town. And I did a quick search, and I was like, oh, the, the Roseburg Cinemas. And I suddenly realized that that's like walking distance from the house. So that's how kind of God works for in my life, is that when things are in alignment, you start to get all these little sign markers and mile markers to say, hey, keep going, right? And that's kind of just paying attention to the things. But I want to talk about a little bit about this bigger vision, and it leads to some very important discussions the topic of children and child sex trafficking and what they've been through, it's a heavy, heavy topic. And I've talked about this in kind of the visceral reality 
of, of what we're talking about here. And it is, but it also should be something of great joy. And we didn't talk much about that. And that's where I want to dig into tonight a little bit, because we talk, we look at the negative, we look at the impact, we, we carry heavy on our heart the consequences of abuse of children, but we're not spending, we haven't spent time, and I don't think collectively as a culture we spend time looking at the great commission and the great opportunity God's put before us to truly heal the children. And what a great joy and honor that is. And that's truly where we need to be putting a lot of our heart. Daniel 11.32, with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn the godlessness, though turn to godlessness, excuse me, he will turn to godlessness those who are willing to disregard the covenant. But the people who are spiritually mature and know their God will display strength and take action to resist. I love that. That's the AMP version of a Daniel 11.32. It's, a very, it's very poignant to where I think we all are headed. There is, when we talk about child rescue and you talk about the, the movie by Jim Caviezel, the thing is we focus on is always this point of the spear stuff. And the reason that works is because that, that exposes the horrors of the problem and it also energizes people to want to get involved, in my opinion. I, don't, I think if you told the story of the recovery of children, it would not do well in theaters. It's not a story that draws attention. We're very much an action-driven society. We want to see the kicking in doors. We want to see the hero. And we want to see the saving of children. We want to see that. The problem with everything that has happened, as I've talked about now in the past few shows is that there is no back end to this of any of these efforts. It's a limited at best back end. When I say back end, that foundation piece of restoring healing and restoring children back to the greatness of kingdom. And that should be at the top of the list of the great hero work. It's the flash in the pan, the, the, the kick in doors, the high intensity direct action type stuff which is a very integrated process. I mean, you have to have intelligence, and then you have to develop the, the, the solid intelligence to make actionable intelligence, and then you have to pursue that. That is a very important aspect to all of this. But I would argue that in the overall scope of things, that film probably represents less than 10% of the whole effort. Underst- getting the intelligence to understand, when I say intelligence, not smartness, but the, the, the human terrain map, the mapping of what goes on in our communities, that represents a much bigger position here to really understand who, what, where, when, why, how, all the five W's plus H that make that possible that children can be taken. But the quietness, the quiet great work of this is the work that takes literally years. And that's where I, when I've really reflected over the weekend of what God has put before myself and what I've shared here, that's where he zeroed in to say this is where it begins, not where it ends. And it's very important to understand this, is that what we're being tasked and directioned where I'm headed with this is that everything that we've talked about starts to come together. And this is... While we, I've had emails and I've had comments about the heaviness and the, the, the burden of, not burden, but the, the intensity of the thoughts of imagining what goes on with these children, yes, that's a very visceral piece. But what, our, what we're trying to do is to know that we have a network of safe places where these children can be reshaped, reborn in Christ, and re, rebuilt, healed, and restored to the perfection of kingdom and probably greater the kingdom intended because the what they've been through can give them great voice one in four one in four boys are molested in this nation that's unbelievable that's a recent statistic so we're talking about something that has unbelievable scope we're dealing with something that has the potential to completely cut the legs out of this evil cabal it's something that has all that intensity, 
But the part of this that makes it so powerful is literally the the spiritually mature that know their God that will display strength and take action to resist. That's such an important principle here. And in knowing our God, what we know about our God is joy. God is is designed, there is a heaviness in our world that we unfortunately waller in too much. There is the aspect of tough love. But what we're talking about here is an opportunity that God is showing us a way on to start coming together in a true community that Bard's Nation is. And in so doing, to bring together a network of support and nurturing to truly heal and have huge impact. I can't think of a more noble effort. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, you know, I, I, I've brought, and I'm not saying this is small, you know, I've brought people to Jesus. That's great. But we're talking about not just that. We're talking about taking broken souls, and we're talking about bringing them the love of Christ and raising them up to be adults, young adults, and and launching them into adulthood, knowing that they can walk in this world and experience love and bring love and wisdom and the ferocity of a warrior Christ into this world, that's a noble effort. And And it's important to balance this because if we focus only on the horrors of what they're going through, we're going to miss the gift of what's being offered. Not everyone is intended to be on the point of the spear. And as I've kind of gone through this whole thing this weekend, it's like when I talked to these folks today of the vineyard, what was really interesting is, you know, their vision is, you know, like having zip lines and campfires. And, and I'm like, of course. I mean, that's that's giving life back to kids. So I'm encouraging you in in to think things in another different dimension. I was thinking today, for example, and we were, we had talked about this two or three weeks ago about seamstresses and people that are good, good, good with a sewing machine. I guess you call that a seamstress. Um, the art of sewing. And I'm, I'm kind of flipping through the day and God's like, you understand that these kids are going to need clothes. And I'm like, wow, can you imagine like rallying an army of people that can use a, something to do well with. I'm not a, I don't sew. I have a sewing machine. I haven't learned to sew yet. That's one of my things to learn. But my point is people that are talented, they can now be making clothing for these children that are blessed. Everything we're talking about doing is changing this narrative. It's, we bless our food. We're talking about everything in the world here that we're doing now becomes a process of prayer and blessing and then moving that towards an objective. Someone asked me in chat, like, do you, will this support those that are, that are, you know, trying to essentially, are you going to support actions against abortion to protect the unborn? Well, of course. I mean, that's, that's an, that's a given in, in our, in our mission statement as we move forward. But I, I want to be clear that where we're focusing right now is a, is a huge gap. That's where God's focused our eyes. And it's important when, a, when you receive something like this to take it and grow with it as God needs you to grow with it and trust in his direction. So I'm not excluding important issues like that, but I am zeroing in on the area. And I'm ho- I mean, this is what I'm extending to all of us. I'm zeroing in on the area where, we're, where he wants us and wants these eyes to go. And for, for those that say, well, I, I don't want to be part of this, that's okay. I mean, you're not excluded from Bard's Nation, but just to understand that on the bigger build of things, we're, we're still going to be talking county by county because that's an integral part of all of this. We're still going to be talking about podcasting for, per county. That's an integral part of this. And, I'm gonna, and, I, and still going to be talking about these things because they all interlink. And what's really been amazing to me this weekend is I've had some time just to be with Father quietly is how every single thing that he's put on my heart to pursue, which I've, I've tried to find the, the overarching architecture that brings it all together. And it, it's difficult. Um, to, it has been difficult to see. What has been most amazing is he's opened that door to say, look how everything ties together through the children. And I'm like, Absolutely. So you've heard me mention, you know, the idea that he put on my heart about coffee shops, assembly places. This is the new concept of what he's seeing as the place where people come together in these coffee shops, which are kind of like a, I'll loosely put it, the new temp, the new church. 
That's going to happen. None of these things I've said won't happen, but it ties in. So imagine a place, as, as an example, just to kind of see how some of these work together. Imagine a place that has, there's, there's these coffee shops around, as an example. They're assembly places. They're, they're, they're designed with very open-air design. You've got sourdough bread. You've got fresh-baked goods. You have coffee there. And a child or a young pers- person walks in and says, I need help. And why would they come in there? Because the word has gotten out that these are places to go if you need help. And a staff that's trained to say, maybe even staff that has once been part of that abuse cycle that is now working a real job to be there says, let me get you a cup of coffee. I'm going to call somebody and have someone come to you. And they're able to text somebody who literally walks in with some other kids and sits down and says, hey, how can we help you? And in that process, a child, that maybe the child escaped, maybe the child's on, from, from damage, maybe the child's wandering and is homeless, maybe this young person is just in desperate need of getting some, some understanding, they suddenly find a community there, all at this place that opens its arms to this. See, th- this is the bigger vision that I'm getting at, and as everything ties together, and it doesn't always have to be the darkness of the Jim Caviezel aspect of the film or what his film is representing, because that's the, what we're, that's the taking them out of the horror. We're trying to, we will support that in, its, in the actions necessary to do that with the right people. And they, but the bigger actions are understanding the, the whole picture. I, I've had numbers of people say, well, I want to get some training. I want to do this. I'm ready to do something. If that's how you're called, that's cool. But I'm going to encourage people to take a breath a little bit here. Because what is missing in all of this? There's a number of organizations that are doing good work. I don't want to link with them right now, and I'm not saying we're going to be exclusive, but God put this commission on Bard's nation, and we're going to build up what God has guided in at least I'm going to pursue this, and for all those that want to be part of this, and I consider us open and family here, to build this up and build the capacity up before we start throwing lines out to draw in other organizations. There's a lot of organizations doing this, but that isn't where God didn't put on the commission, go out and connect with everybody in the world. He brought that to me to say, Here's, here you go. Let's do this Bars Nation. I know that one group we've already linked with, which is they're moving as quickly as we are, is Glad Tidings Church. And I know that they're doing some things right now that's amazing because Dave and I have not talked about some specifics. And I just got word today that he and I are working. He and I have been given a parallel vision. And he's having his prayer teams work on it like we're praying on it. So it's pretty amazing to see how God's working here, okay? There is a, a, an innate, there's a visceral desire to go save the kids, and there, as there should be. But saving children without having a foundation, for that matter, saving anybody without having a foundation to move them into, fails. I watched a video today. And it's just one of these things that came up in my feed, which I just find so there's so many little pieces of this that tie into the way God has been shaping this. This was another one of these. And this was a very recent video done on the streets of Portland. And it was talking to the homeless and it was talking to the what has become an absolute nightmare in Portland, right down where my office used to be, in fact. And all around downtown where I used to walk and enjoy the city. And it has just become an absolute hell zone. You have just the, the number of things that are going on down there. You have homeless, you have drug using, you have people freaking out. I mean, you want to see like demonic possession, just walk down Portland. And the point that was being made is that Oregon passed the drug legalization uh, law that basically legalized everything. There, you can use legally here. You can use cyber, cybersillin. You can do LSD. Anything you need, you can legally use, and you can't get. You're not going to get arrested for. The problem is they modeled these programs after countries like Norway and Sweden, and I, there was a couple others. But what Oregon didn't do, which is very typical, and this is such a good lesson here, is they implemented a law to legalize the drug use without looking at how it worked in the other countries, 
How did it work in the other countries? They spent years perfecting rehabilitation. So they built their rehabilitation network first, and then they legalized the drugs. Now, why why does that work that way? And one could argue, say, well, that's not a good thing. Well, the reason what they did is, I shouldn't say legalized, they decriminalized drugs. So the idea is that someone who is, is being victimized by drugs now in these other countries are brought into the rehabilitation centers rather than being thrown in jail where they just go through hell. I Look, you've heard my story, episode 64, for those of you that have never listened to it, where I was thrown in jail for 20 days. I witnessed people coming in off of meth that had no rehab, that literally were just cast on a cot and said, detox. That can kill a person. It's horrible to witness. Okay. Portland didn't do that. Oregon didn't do that. So the the drug use, the drug overdose, the near-death experiences, the recovery from Arcan to help them, the use of Arcan to help bring them back from death, it's off the charts because they didn't build the foundations. And the real work isn't stopping, isn't doing the drug interdiction. That's part of it. But you're never going to solve the problem until you fix the, the demand. So that is part of a lot of what we're talking about here when we start talking about a program direction, a, a commission. If we're going to start talking about freeing the children, there are a number of aspects to that. The most foundational part of this is to build up this network of loving and willing volunteers and people to start working with kids that are called by God in whatever capacity to help nurture these children over time. There's a great testimony in this video, and I'll put it up on, what I'll do is after the show, I'll put this video up on on our Telegram room and I'll pin it, because if you have a chance, do watch it. Because there's an interview with a guy that's been on the streets for about 48 years in Portland, and he's on point, because he's like, you know, talking about how long it takes to have somebody recover, and he's about five years, which he's absolutely right. About five years to get somebody to recover. And that's a process that when we start talking about healing children, you're talking five to 10 years of a commitment per child. Now, if we look at that in, in the state of society, we're going to say, well, you know, that's going to cost too much money or that's going to be this. We can't do this as an institutional level. We have to do this as a people level, we the people being committed to it. And when we turn our eyes away from ourselves and start looking into the calling of kingdom and we start realizing again the value of children that grows to other things but it changes the value of society and we start to realize that many of these kids don't have parents many of these kids are going to suffer from a lot of problems there's going to be challenges of drugs all of this is there and it's going to require a community to start standing up and working together When I see what God is asking here, I don't see just a small calling to like go do the kicking in the doors and grab a child. I see a complete movement here that it causes a transformation in the hearts of of his people to where children once again become valued. And instead of one household dealing with a bunch of kids, it's a neighborhood that's coming together and people begin to stand up to do the various things they need. So while it's really cool to do the hero work, and the high, what I call the high-speed work, and I'm not taking that away from anybody's hearts, that is a small piece of the bigger puzzle. And when it's, we're talking about having to confront the horrors of these children, what they need to know is you have the heart of love to come to them. This is a very, I've given this a lot of prayer, and you know, I think that it, there's a lot of things that I've presented over the last few shows that have left a lot of questions, which is understandable. Like, you know, what does that look like? Where can I get involved? Are your shows going to change? Are you are you no longer going to do this? That that's all that stuff is is the answer is no. The shows aren't going to change. How do you get involved? That's going to be involved in partly you at praying. You know, there's a lot of this. Where do I step in? A lot of this is us taking this vision and praying into it. And starting to move forward in the direction that God leads us. One of the most powerful things that has happened here in Bard's Nation, and it's recognized by people outside, is the county by county initiative. There is not a nonprofit that people are feeding into. We don't have a specific, like, 
regional team lead that's pushing to do this and pushing to do that. One of the most powerful things about the county by county initiative has been the framework in which people have then taken that framework and they've implemented the aspects of the framework that are best for themselves and grown into the bigger part of the framework as a group, as we see a massive shift towards people growing their own food, taking the initiative to learn and to tailor things to their lifestyle. The number of testimonies that I get every day from people that are like, Scott, I am now growing my own food. We just brought on chickens or we've moved to the country or I've started growing stuff in an apartment. This speaks volumes to who we are as a, as a fellowship and a community. And it's, that's really hard work. This is similar, but it will be more, there will be more organizational structure to this because of the nature of children. But part of this is people reading for that moment. So as, a, as an example, you need to have three major things in a county to make this work. You have to have a safe place for a child to go. And every county has to have an intelligence unit that's basically like good digital researchers and on-the-ground researchers to understand what's going on in their county. Because if you think it's not happening in your county, you're fooling yourself. This problem we are dealing with is a national and global problem that's infecting every community. And then you have to have a means by which to communicate that story to the community. Forget about the outside world for a minute. Just think about a county. County. So the triad of that is a podcasting unit or a person or persons, an intelligence unit, a person or person that's doing research and, and action and building actionable, real, understandable intelligence. It's verifiable. And then you have to have somebody or somebodies that have a place to offer safety for kids, for the children. When you put those three together, and this is an amorphous enemy we're dealing with, the enemy is going to move like, if you ever held like silly putty or something like that in your hand, it's like goo, right? I mean, this is what we're dealing with. And it's moving or a low, like a balloon with little air in it. You can squeeze it and it squeezes out one way or the other. This is how the enemy works. And so as you, we roll this out, we begin to see a bigger picture for America. This is a long-term transformation of how we're going to be working together. It starts to, and as we move, you each place will address more very critical issues. It might be that one of the greatest threats in, the, in a particular county is going to be the transgender surgery clinics. And that might be something to has to be addressed for kids that, in, that are, would potentially be taken away by, their, by the state to try to re- do outreach to them to help them awaken in the reality of their world. That's another form of trafficking. Another form of trafficking could be CPS, Child Protective Services, which is they are just a government child sex trafficking organization is all they are. They really should be called a child trauma trafficking organization because that's all they deliver for the most part. So the whole idea of this, like I said on Friday night, is that we're functioning under God's law and God's directive, which gives us, we have to build an authority to deal with the system, which gets into common law. So there's a lot of pieces to this, is my point of this. And I'm just dumping out a whole bunch here that I've been working on all weekend. And there isn't any, the model is shaping and it's shaping actually really quickly considering where things were Thursday night and God's downloading just at like a super high speed rate. But a lot of this is going to be moved and shaped by the local need and by the willingness of the heart. And that's going to have to pivot off of something very, very critical. And it's forgiveness. And that's where all of this comes back to. Because in order to heal, we have to forgive. Now, in a sermon I listened to today, um, and, and it was a good sermon, there was a reference made about forgiveness and the reference came from Luke 5, 22 to 24. And it's when Jesus forgives a man of his sins. And then he heals the man who has been literally put before him, who is paralyzed. And he says, get up and walk. That's Luke 5, 22 to 24. That is literally the son of man 
forgiving for sins for eternity. Okay, so just be clear about the magnitude of that. We don't have that authority, but we do have the authority to ask God for forgiveness, and we have the authority for us to master forgiveness, to turn justice and trust in him for justice. And we've talked about this massively. But if we're going to be able to affect transformation in these children, we're going to have to be able to carry in our hearts a loving and forgiving heart to raise them up mightily in kingdom so that the burdens that were put upon them by the ones that, uh, that damaged them are not burdens that sit there and rot like a cancer. Because that's what the enemy does brilliantly. They place things in our heart like, like imagine having a, a grain of sand in your shoe. And if you've hiked and you know exactly what I'm talking about or a little pebble. And you have that pebble and it sits there and it just rubs and rubs and rubs. And you, if you don't take time to stop and to literally take that pebble out of your shoe, then you're going to end up with a blister. And that blister is going to get worse and then it's going to become bleeding. And pretty soon you're going to become incapable of walking. How we handle our anger, which is what the enemy wants to provoke, how we handle that in terms of the throne is very critical. Forgiveness has to be given by us in order for the miracles of healing to begin. And so as painful as it may be to witness a victim of child sex trafficking, and some who have suffered through it know this, there has to be a measure where you are forgiving for God's sake to take it off your heart and give it to God so that we then have the openness for healing to begin. But healing is not just with us. God is working healing through us on both or all parties involved. And that's going to be the greatest tasking, as I see, in all of this is to approach whatever the outcome is with a loving and forgiving heart. Unfortunately, in our society, so much of that it translates always to weakness, especially when I talk to men, because I always get this eye roll and it's like, okay, so you don't want to have any, they're not going to have any accountability. And that's absolutely wrong because we're forgetting where, we, where our station is. We were not given the authority or commission to judge. Judgment is God's alone. It's very important that we appreciate this. We were given the authorities to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, do greater works than he, and to do so in the name of Jesus. And we do have the right to ask for judgment, but we don't have the right to deliver judgment. And a lot of that is going to depend on Father's position. But judgment is, and judgment and justice are part of a process that emanates from forgiveness in our hearts. When you hear somebody like Sergeant Major retired Joe Vega talk at Bardsfest or Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers retired talk, you're talking to people that are unbelievable warriors. The, the things that they've seen in the violent side of the fight, in the physical violent side of the fight, could not, they could not have survived if had they had a vengeful, angry heart because those things blind you. And so as odd as it may seem, it's a very sanitary approach. There is a person who's been trained with unbelievable levels of integrity, morality, and a base in faith. And so when they approach that moment, they are then carrying the sword of judgment with them, but they're doing it without malice or hatred. On a spiritual sense, we have to be able to do the same thing. And this has been a lot of my conversations today with, with the Lord and with Jesus all day is looking at this model deeply and understanding that what, it, what we're being asked and those that are stepping into this are asked to do, whether you're directly or supportive in this, I mean, you're a supportive element or directly involved in it, it's going to require a heart that is literally trusting that as we walk into this, our most powerful weapon is forgiveness and love, even though love can be tough love, but our primary focus here which is so, so important, is to heal. And that's, that's where it begins. And so what's missing, again, when you look at all of the, this work that's been going across the world to save children, and you can even hear testimonies. And I've talked to 
I've had testimonies from people that worked in the operations with special operations under Trump to save kids. And here's what they say. We, they did save it. President Trump lifted the order, the, the, the restrictions on ROEs, which is rules of engagement. He let them use whatever lethal force was necessary to deal with the traffickers and save the kids. That was a, that was a given. But every time they ran into the same problem, what do you do with the children? And there was no way to, no place to go. So where do they end up going? They go to the UN and they hand them off. If we're going to truly address an issue which is blatantly in the world that is one of the most vile, criminal, hateful things to do in this world, which is to harm the little ones, we have to counter that with a network of love, compassion, and forgiveness. And that runs counterintuitive when we think about the point of the spear, but we're not all going to be on the point of the spear. We have to be able to function in terms of a architecture where God is leading everything. And what does that require? And it goes back to Daniel 11.32. The people who are spiritually mature and know their God, key words there, will display strength and take action to resist. That is such a profound statement because it's spiritually mature and knowing their God. Those aren't just soft words. Those aren't just frivolous things we throw out there like know the living God. I mean, it is literally know the living God. That is to develop that intimate personal relationship with him that you're communicating with him, you're hearing him, you're having him guide you because in every step when we're there, now we begin to understand more with with another set of eyes where David was, where Gideon was, where, where Joshua was, even where Moses was. Because they weren't approaching these fights with a vengeful heart. They were approaching these fights in a righteousness that was being led by God. And that's God leading our hands, God leading our actions, being obedient to where he places us and doing what we we must do. But we also must learn to stand. And standing is to be bold, to be heard, to be to be using that foundation of what we know is right and wrong and understanding that there's no compromise on things. And to understand that truly when we're talking about, say, open carrying our faith, that is as, that is as profound in our life as in a, in, in a commitment as carrying the cross as Jesus did to his own crucifixion. So this is really a, a maturing, I think, of everyone. As we step into this pathway here, it doesn't suddenly turn a corner where suddenly everything's different. It's just an understanding that where I have stepped into for all of those that are willing to go this way is is a commission, a co-mission, as Pastor Anthony talked about to me, a co-mission, meaning with God in such a way that we're walking now in a direction where all pieces link. There isn't frivolous events here or there, but everything that we do as an organization ties into a greater picture one way or another to accomplishing one thing, which is ultimately restoring, healing and restoring children that have been damaged and trafficked. So as a sidebar on that, I just want you to think about Mike Lindell for a minute. And it's important because he has been given a commission. And his commission he is 100% focused on is in election integrity. You know, I've had people reach out and say, hey, can you introduce me to Mike? And, you know, I want to talk to him about this proposal. And generally, I just, I, I say no. Not because I'm rude, because I respect where Mike's commission is. He uses, I've, we've commented about this before, and I laugh when I started to say that. It's like a pillow salesman. Who would have ever thought God would select a pillow salesman? And who would have ever imagined that a pillow salesman was literally spending tens of millions of dollars in selling pillows of his own money to hire attorneys and try to build a, a, a team of cyber experts to, to literally be able to undo this 
or expose the, the, the fraud and hire canvassers to go out and canvass door to door. I mean, I don't, not a lot of people realize how many millions and millions of dollars he has put into this. And that's where that he understands and is clearly walking that and his entire company gets it. Mike's task, and on top of that, he has some personal passions which he pursues. He has a drug treatment program which he offers for free for anybody that's online, anybody that needs help. That comes from his roots. So there is, a, there is a sense of all of this that as we step into these realms, these places where God puts us, for us to be clear that we need to, he's asking us to use the gifts and talents. And I'm clear on something. I'm clear that not everybody will want to or be called to walk in a direction that deals with, you know, rescuing, restoring, and healing the children. I get that. But I think that, you know, from my perspective, there's so many aspects to how this supports is mutually supportive. There is a place for everyone. And I, and my sense of where through prayer is God knows that. And God knows the diversity and the uniqueness of this fellowship in Bard's nation that doesn't just limit itself to a localized geographic area, but is distributed across the entire globe. And what that means is that's if you want to look at it like this, it's firebases. These are firebases that he's he's has out here. And some will be called to set up a firebase, and some will be called to support a firebase, and some will be called to tell the stories of firebases, and some will be called to do research for a firebase, and some will be called to do action on the ground. But don't be consumed with one thing. Don't put God in a box. We talk a lot about this, but in this actual application of things, it's very important to keep our hearts open. Because where I've sat with this all weekend and been stunned at the number of connections that have happened, I mean, literally the confirmations after confirmation and pointing to where God goes and wants this to go, there's no question in my mind what the direction is. But just like that example I used of the vineyard, as I'm thinking about, okay, the healing and this and that, someone's saying, well, we have a vision to do, and God's leading me there to, you know, have zip lines and fun places. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because why? Because heaven is truly driven by the joy of its children. And if we don't, if we ever forget that, then we're going to be no different than the enemy. We are bringing joy to the world. That's not some bad reference to a Disney song or whoever did that song. But it's it's the process of loving our neighbor. It's the process of walking as Jesus walked. And it's the it's the commission of accepting so something so profound that was so important to him that the only time in scripture that Jesus says, I mean literally as I've said before, goes straight up gangster and he does is it would be better to have a millstone. If to, it would be better for you, if you do harm with the children, to have a millstone put around your neck and cast into the sea. That is an unbelievable statement. So to understand how significant this commission is and how big it is and how much trust has been put before this fellowship through God, it's humbling, it's a praise and a celebration of all that is there to praise God for what has happened. And it's, it's inspiring. These are, these are my reactions anyway, to know that there is so much trust in something here that with many of us that haven't even met face to face, that God's saying, yes, but I know the hearts of all that are here. And through these hearts that are hearts that are turned towards me, we shall surely, we shall start on a commission that will be one of many, I'm sure he's leading, but it doesn't matter. I am trusting in you all to walk this commission, whoever will follow, and to literally disrupt the enemy and cut the legs out from underneath them. As a final note of this, and it's just a reminder of Gideon, which just keeps coming to mind all weekend. Two things about that. The thousands of Gideon thought he had, that in his shock each time, the two levels of this, he was watered down to 300 people. But it was 300 men that had a heart for God. 
in the right way. And I don't even know, we don't really know if those 300 men were absolute, what we would say today, like true believers. And if we would say, are you a believer in Jesus? God knew their heart more than they did, but they were all obedient to him and to Gideon. The next part of that was once they conducted their breaking of pots and blowing of horns, the enemy became disrupted, and it was then that many of those that left and went back to the village suddenly went, oh, time for me to get back in the fight. But it took the 300 committed and focused to raise up the rest of the army. We have to, as a world, as a nation, pivot our priorities. And we have to pivot to what is truly the most important and trust in God as we move forward. And it's that sort of pivot that's been put before us. And I think it's, it's so unbelievably humbling and so incredible in a, in a scope and a vision. There's no possible way it can be done without him. And that's exactly where that walk begins. Have I not told you? Have I not commanded you, as he said to Joshua? Have I not commanded you to trust in me? I will always be with you. I mean, that's the level of action we're taking, which is truly profound. So I, these words, Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was basically the whole picture right there. Let's pray. Father, just very humbled, very blessed, and I don't even know there's words to describe effectively the level of joy that flows in here, at least in my heart tonight, of realizing the gift and the trust and in this commission you've put before us. And though I know you shared that commission with me as I have followed your guidance to share it to the, to the entire audience, fellowship of Bard's Nation, this is part of the sifting. It is also part of the lighting of fires, and it's part of the refining as we need to have as we step forward. My prayer tonight, Father, is really as I spoke and as you guided this evening, which is truly that we can grasp the magnitude of joy that's in within the core of this, as difficult and dark as part of this commission represents in dealing with children that are traumatized, trafficked, uh, abused in, in, the, in, the, in that sector of the world where you focused our attention, at least as we are right now. My prayer is that we remember and grab onto the joy that you're asking us to bring and to lift up in these children, to give them hope, health, healing, and restoration in kingdom. And as we grasp onto that and the, what that represents, it's, it's a gift of such magnitude, of such trust, and of such loving intent that that is truly so deeply representative of kingdom and what you're asking us to step into and truly to trust in you and to walk together with you. This is a, this is a massive task, and we know that it will take a massive resourcing to pull this together. We also know that great things happen with small victories, but we also know the most important part about this that we will not succeed without you. And so again, I repeat these words as I did previous to the prayer, Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so for that, Father, as we close this prayer with that, we simply are humbled and thank you for all that you give, all that you continue to guide us on, and all that we know that you will mature us and refine us in each of the steps of this process a commission that for myself and hopefully for others that will join in is not one I take lightly. 
a commission that as I have committed to you is a lifelong process until my last breath. That even when the things look to be as they probably will at some point, rosy and good and the, the big war is over, we know that this enemy will continue to lurk and to move and to do things that were, will to, to seek damage to the children. And we know that even if things were to end in, in glory for the victory of heaven, so to speak, through, through our politicians, we also know, quite frankly, that the damage done to these children will take years in dedication, loving, and healing to accomplish the mission of heaven. So we ask you to just continue to guide us, lift us, and direct us in all we do, and to bless us as an organization, as a fellowship, to maximize the building of this foundation before we have to reach out, to use the resources and the talents that exist within the boundaries of Bard's nation to build the foundation of something truly magnificent that can be representative of the glories of kingdom, honoring all that you've asked us to do, and something that can be a symbol, truly a light on the hill for others to look to and desire to be part of us rather than us having to reach out and drag them in. Guide us, bless us in all, the, all that we do. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So that's, that was my weekend. Not a bad one as I'm sipping a good cup of coffee. I cooked some awesome ribs today, by the way. I put it up in Telegram just so you can see them. And I'm, I didn't mention this at the beginning because didn't want you distracted. But I'm just going to tell you, I'd never done this before, but I, I, it, was, it was, I'm going to give it, I'm just going to say it was, a, it was a heavenly inspiration. So I, I did a, a coffee chili rub, dry rub, on my ribs, and then I, I put honey on top of them, and I, then I put them on a an indirect smoke on my barbecue smoker, and which is a PK grill. If you're curious, I love the PK grill, and then here's the kicker: I cook them for about two and a half hours on the indirect with a bacon layer on, I laid strips of bacon on top of my ribs and they just sat there and cooked. And then I took them off after about two and a half hours and I wrapped them in butcher paper and I put them back on still with that bacon layer on there. And I cooked them for another hour and a half. Ooh, I'm telling you bacon ribs. That is like, it was unbelievable. And they were just like, Literally, like just tear apart ribs. That and a baked sweet potato, barbecue baked sweet potato. I'm just telling you, I didn't want to give you that up front because I thought you, you might, might distract you. This will probably distract you. <laughs> but that was a good Sunday close right there. As a preparatory for the, the, what, what, I'm, what I'm calling Patriot Month and Make America Godly Again Year. I'm tired of this pride garbage. We're doing Patriot Month. I'm declaring it today. And the requirements for Patriot Month are you need to be eating meat. You need to be literally like praying endless, praying without any stop, endless, without ceasing, and literally like walking in the Holy Spirit and doing great things by the name of God. So there you go. So that was my kickoff for Patriot Month. And um, I'm... Oh, someone asked with the smoker. I, I, I use what's called a PK, P, PK grill. You can look them up. They're made, I think, in Alabama. They're really unique. They're used by a lot of the professional barbecuers because they're a, a clamshell design. Um, they're super good, and I've used one for a long time. I, I had one when I was back east, and then I just recently, this last year, bought another one because I didn't have that one anymore. But I love them. They're super good. They cook your – you can do indirect or direct. They just – and they're all charcoal – based is charcoal or charcoal wood or, or smoke. I love it. So there you go. All right, Patriots, with that little bit of enticement late at night with the, the midnight munchies are now growing. I can already see people like jumping in the refrigerator and lighting up the grills tonight. Just remember, if you do that, you're going to have to cook all night to get ribs like that. So might want to wait till tomorrow. It's all good. Tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the film 
I'm going to go see Jim Caviezel's film tomorrow at 2.55, and I'll be back in time to do the show. And the show tomorrow is going to be talking specifically about that film to kind of give some insight into that. Um, and it's I, you, we need to see the film. So uh, if, and, and I, I sincerely mean this, within what I can afford, and I don't know what that is, but if you are one who can't afford a ticket and can't get one online, because they do have some free tickets, if for some reason you can't afford a ticket or you can't get one online, please just put a note up in Telegram or email us and we'll see what we can do to help you out. I want people to see this film. It's that important, okay? That's an open offer. So, all right, with that, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us, He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Sometimes it takes all you get to go.